Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of State of the Art. I'm your host, Andrew Herman. And if this is your first time here, let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. We're talking about art technology and the intersection between them. But mostly, we want to talk about why you should care about this stuff. I've been on both sides of this coin as a startup founder, an engineer, a creative, and I'm just fascinated by the world where art and technology overlap. So I'll be talking to artists, collectors, CEOs, and founders, anybody who has any perspective on this world I want to talk to. Today we have, I think, a really interesting guest for you guys. For those of you who live in big cities, have you ever been walking or riding down the street and looked and seen some interesting art piece and said, how, how does that get there? You know, these giant ones that stand on the side of buildings or outside or on top of a building, maybe? Well, someone's responsible for that. And as you may or may not know, most cities have what's called an arts commission. Well, today we are fortunate enough to sit down with Dorka Keen, who is on the San Francisco Arts Commission, and she's responsible specifically for public arts. We're going to talk a lot about how she kind of got there, her own work as an artist, and uh, why you should be paying attention to your city's public art scene. So pay attention, buckle up, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So welcome, everybody, back to another episode of State of the Art. And I am here with someone super interesting, Dorka Keen. Thank you so much for inviting me to your home, Dorka. This is awesome to be here. My pleasure. So um, so for the listeners, Dorka, your current role we were just discussing is on the San Francisco Arts Commission. Um, specifically, you're working kind of in the public art sector. And we will definitely dig into that in a minute. But I'm really curious because you have a really interesting sort of path that you've taken to get here. You went to school for filmmaking. Um, you had a really strong role in politics for a while. Um, well, still as the commissioner. Um, and, uh, you know, your involvement with the National Organization for Women. Can you can you tell us about your evolution kind of from the early days from New York getting into San Francisco and what that was like for you? I left New York because I had a nightclub and I had a very fun but excessive lifestyle. <laughs> and I had a great friend of mine who lived out here, so I decided to come out here. And what I found that I loved about San Francisco was that it was still a small town where you could really make a difference. And I got into politics. I was a lobbyist for the National Organization for Women. Hmm. And then I shot a film and realized that I really enjoyed making a difference in a different way, not just in politics, but creatively. And that's how I moved into the creative world. I started making documentary films for television, HBO, PBS, Sundance. Wow. And then I met uh, a really interesting artist, Brian Goggin, and we became friends. And he was commissioned by the San Francisco Arts Commission to do a large-scale public artwork and was having problems with the community. And he knew that one of my skills was that I was very good at bringing community together and bringing disparate groups together. And so he asked me to help him. And after connecting with the community for a bit, I said to him, you know, there's no way that the piece that you want to do is going to happen. I think you need to come up with another piece. And he said, do you want to work with me on this? And both of our backgrounds were in film. We both had a lot of shared interest in literature, in Buddhism, um, in a variety of other things. And so we decided to work together and we came up with the piece that we did together in North Beach called Language of the Birds, which is the first public solar-powered artwork in the United States. Hmm. It's the flock of flying books that's yeah. across the street from um, City Lights. 
and it won Best Public Art in America the year after it was created. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. So so did you come out here with a distinctive plan to get into any of this, or was it just like, let's show up in San Francisco and see what happens? I had no idea what I was going to do. I ended up coming out here and getting an MBA and really getting into windsurfing, and that was about <laughs> <laughs> That's about as far as I got <laughs> the first year. <laughs> Windsurfing, filmmaking, <laughs> politics, and now public art. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm curious, can you tell me a little bit more about the um, the women's groups too? Because I know that was a big part of your history. I started volunteering when I came out here at the National Organization for Women. And then an opportunity to actually have a job came up. And I realized that I really like being able to make a difference in the city that in this city, you can go meet with supervisors. You could meet with the mayor. You could go have a drink with the mayor. You could go up to Sacramento and have one-on-ones with senators and congresspeople, and they listen to you. And And so for me, it was really exciting coming from a big city like New York, where it would seem, politics seems so big and daunting and removed, mm. to actually have the kind of impact that I had. And so I cared a lot about women's issues. And from the National Organization for Women, I then went to work for Gloria Steinem. I was the West Coast director of her PAC, and I also helped start a couple of organizations. One's called Emerge, and we train Democratic women to run for office, and we're over in, we're in over 20 states right now. Nice. And another one is called Ignite, and it's a political and civic leadership training program for girls. So you ignite, and then you emerge. Yeah. <laughs> was that intentional, by the way? I like that. <laughs> the, le- the words. The branding, yeah. <laughs> cool. And then, so, and I, I'm... I'm setting this up because I think it's really interesting that you've, um, you know, you you have this creative background, right? You've come through politics, but then you also um, understand private sector fairly well. Um, you have a really successful business, Keen on Art. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what Keen on Art does? So after Brian and I collaborated on the Language of the Birds piece, Brian Goggin and I got another commission, actually by a, from a private developer, to do a piece called Caruso's Dream, which is on ninth between market and mission. And as I was installing the work, I was up in the lift thinking, hmm, what am I going to do next? (laughs) (laughs) I looked out on the skyline and I saw all these cranes. And one of the interesting things about San Francisco and a lot of big cities is that we have a public art requirement. So in San Francisco, if there's any civic construction, like the airport or Moscone Center or the new central subway, 2% of the construction costs goes to public art. Wow. And that money goes to the Arts Commission. And so that's what uh, I work with the Arts Commission and oversee the Visual Arts Committee that commissions all the public art for the city th- with that 2%. Now, wow. there's another piece of legislation that says, if you're a developer in downtown and south of market, if your building's over 25,000 square feet, you're required to spend 1% of your hard construction cost on public art. So hmm. that's a lot of the art that you see downtown in the plazas or the piece that I was commissioned to do for 55 Ninth Street, uh, which is the Caruso's Dreams, which is the big glass pianos that are hanging off the side of the building. Right. And so I'm sitting up in my lift and I thought, wow, look at all those cranes. And most of those cranes are connected to buildings that have art requirements. And I said, hmm, this might be a niche market because I have this very specialized knowledge about city policy, working with the different departments like planning, uh, building, et cetera, with the arts, working with the Arts Commission. And also, Brian and I make very complicated public art. So I'm someone who really knows how to make difficult art yeah. and can work with artists and to help them develop their ideas in the public sector, which is very different than 
a painting on a wall that you make in your in your studio. And also working with these developers who a lot of them don't know very much about art, um, are kind of terrified by the whole idea of having to commission an artwork and, and, and maybe don't have, you know, maybe are only thinking about, oh, we can do a mural. Mm. And I'm someone who really thinks outside the box. I'm like, wow, you have a million dollars. These are big budgets. Yeah. And instead of a mural, you could do a really cool artwork that's hanging off your building, like what Brian and I do, or, you know, something very interesting that's going to be a draw for your building. That art really, I really believe that art is an economic driver and that it can be an economic driver for the particular building. Like Caruso's Dream has been hmm. come known as the piano building. Right. And people right. come to that building to check out the artwork and there's a restaurant underneath that. And so it's a draw. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. I mean, when you're talking about artworks on this scale, like you know, any serious artist will tell you that there's difficulties with their art. There's always, you know, whether it's part of the creative process or whether it's part of the, you know, the actual media or whatever. But I mean, I have to assume that the type of difficulties you're talking about are astronomical because you're dealing with um, enormous pieces of artwork that, you know, need to be constructed, I'm assuming, by these developers, these contractors, right? No, the artwork is typically... Um fabricated by the artist and a fabricator that the artist works with. So the developer is mm. not making the artwork. The developer is commissioning the artwork. And then I work with the artist to develop the artwork, work and find the fabricator, find mm. the materials that are, you know, will live well in the environment. You know, we have a very mm. difficult environment in San Francisco. It's super salty here. Things corrode. You just look at yeah. it and it's corroding. <laughs> <laughs> Life in San Francisco. So, and maintenance is a big issue in public art. It's a very unsexy issue. Things like pigeon poop is right. a, you know, that's a big topic <laughs> of conversation in public art, you know, and in San Francisco. Uh, so those are the kind of things that I work with the artist to um, make sure that the artwork has a long life, is easy for the developer to maintain, um, but is also an interesting artwork. Yeah. So what? So can you tell me a little bit more about this this notion of political driver? I mean, I think this is something that um, you know, lay people, people that may not be in the art world per se, are interested about. Like, why are we why are we investing any money in this? Is this important? Um, but you know, obviously, I feel as though it is. But can you tell me a little bit about the facts and figures of what this actually does for a town? I think if you ask anybody who lives here why they chose to live here. You know, one of the top three reasons they'll give you is because it's a creative cultural place, right? So sure. people choose to live in cities that are are known for that. And San Francisco is particularly known for that. And we've gone through a lot of ups and downs around that. And I think one of the things that we do at the Arts Commission have really been focusing on is is looking at ways to ensure that we can keep the creative economy here, that mm. we can keep artists and different types of creators here in the city. And so we've, we've been doing a lot of really interesting um, work around that that's actually been, uh, you know, a model for other cities around the, around the country. But there is a Americans for the Arts is sort of the leading organization that does all the research on, you know, the economic impact of arts in, in the country. And the most recent one said that 1.45, that the arts brings in $1.45 billion dollars to the city. Wow. So that's billion with a B. Yes, billion with a B. And it provides close to 40,000 full-time jobs in the city. Hmm. So it's it's not ins insignificant at all. Um, the funding that we've provided for the arts under Mayor Lee, for example, increased by 14%. So wow. the city is really committed to the arts. 
We also started what was called the, um, uh, the Community Art Stabilization Trust, where we looked at what was happening in the city, all the arts nonprofits that were leaving and the artists that were leaving and tried to look at what we could do to make sure that they, that they could stay. And one of the things that we believe is that if you own your building, you're not going to get kicked out. So we started this uh, community art stabilization trust that provides funding to arts organizations to help them buy their building, provides technical assistance. You know, arts organizations aren't always the best at negotiating their leases. Um, <laughs> so in that way, we've been able to keep arts nonprofits in town and all those arts nonprofits hire people. We've also worked with individuals uh, like the Rappaport's who um, started the Minnesota Street Project, mm, which yeah. We were finding that galleries were leaving town, right? They couldn't afford spaces either. Sure. So, you know, that's a that's a for-profit venture, but it's low um, costs. You know, they're charging low um, rates. And uh, so that has been a way that arts nonprofits have, I mean, arts galleries have been able to stay in the city. Most of those galleries also represent local artists. We're now starting to work on affordable housing for artists. Hmm. So there's lots of different ways that we've been working to make sure that this city stays a place that's creative and, and cultured and that people want to live in. Yeah. So, uh, so what is going on with the affordable housing for artists? That's interesting. That's the first time I've heard of this. Mayor Lee gave the okay to build affordable housing for artists on city-owned property. Hmm. The city owns a lot of property. Right. And so we've identified a couple of locations. Uh, Mayor Breed has been very supportive of this, and actually, uh, one of the locations is is in her old district. Hmm. And so the idea is being that the city owns the property. You know, you don't have to buy the property. And we're now looking into what are the best um, next steps as far as how we're going to develop the, the the folks who are going to build the affordable housing. So we're right now in process deciding because building affordable housing in a neighborhood, you know, everyone is in need of housing. Right. So. How do we break it down? Is it going to be local artists? Is it going to be artists from that neighborhood? How do we mm. define what an artist is, et cetera? Sure. So we're kind of going through that process right now. But I'm hoping by the time I leave the Arts Commission <laughs> that we will actually have a shovel in the ground. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, so so I want to step back a little bit um, and talk a little bit about, about public art and what public art is. So what, you know, you're obviously you're on the commission um and this is something you're responsible for but you're also you know a part of this scene you've you've built and you continue to build um public work art um what do you as an artist or you know artists in your community see as a successful piece of public art you know there's a lot of people that walk past things and don't understand it sometimes things just don't strike them as aesthetically pleasing um you know i think that some people will say, you know, there's plenty of public art there that just isn't isn't great artwork. So what are you kind of um, looking at as a successful art piece? I think you're right. There was a real stigmatism around public art for quite a while. There was a lot of, I would say, mediocre public art. <laughs> um, and for me, I think great public art is something that you're going to walk by and you are going to have some kind of experience with. You're going to be like, wow, it takes you out of the moment. It's magical. Or maybe you just hate it. <laughs> you know? But you're going to have some, kind, some of kind of reaction. Some kind of reaction to it. And hopefully you don't hate it. And hopefully maybe you don't totally understand it, but it's intriguing to you. Uh, I think when I think about the work that I did with Brian Goggin, 
uh, most people would look at it, they're going to like it, but they don't understand all the levels that we have in it. And that's fine. Sure. That's, you know, that's fine. I think the public is much more sophisticated than even curators and people who uh, are in charge of public art around the country give them credit for. A lot of times I hear, oh, it's it's colorful and fun. They're, the public will like it. And yes, of course, we all like colorful and fun <laughs> things. But I think it's something that really, it, it just, you have this moment where you're like, I mean, I think when you look at Caruso's dream, when you walk by it, you're like, wow, that's a, you know, that's a trip. You know, whether you yeah. like it or not, you're like, wow, there are these glass pianos that are hanging over the building. And it, <laughs> you're like, whoa. You know, so, so, but what has happened is that the art world has now realized that the public art world is actually big money. So these are on the whole, of course, there's smaller public art projects in neighborhoods, et cetera. But there's a lot of, I mean, for example, we're, uh, the Arts Commission is uh, doing all the art for the Southwest Terminal. We're redoing the Southwest Terminal out at SFO. Mm. We have $11 million for public art. Wow. So we are commissioning local artists. We have a very good track record at the Arts Commission. We uh, commission over 50% of the artists that we commission are local artists. But we also, we're an international city, mm. right? And that's an international sure. airport. And we want to be known as this cultural destination. Tourism is a major reason why pe people come to San Francisco. So we have internationally recognized artists who are developing site-specific commissions. And so most of those artists are represented by big galleries. These are big budget, million-dollar projects. Yeah. And so the level of artists who are applying to do public art in San Francisco and around the country has really risen. Yeah. And so we have significant work already in the art collection. And the art collection is is owned by all the citizens of San Francisco. And that collection is valued at over $100 million. Wow. And we're continuing to grow that. And so we have really exciting work coming to that terminal. We have really exciting work coming to uh, the Moscone Center. Sarah Z is doing a big piece. She represented the United States in the Venice Biennale a few years ago. Mm. The Central Subway has also very significant work that's coming in there. Yeah. So San Francisco is really, I think it's going to be the best city for public art in the country. Yeah. I'd say in five years. Wow. <laughs> that is, that's a bold claim. <laughs> who's in the, who's, you know, if people are listening around the country, I mean, what other cities are known for this? What other cities are sort of uh, hallmarks for, for doing this well? New York is definitely yeah, known. Obviously. Philadelphia actually has a great history. Chicago has a great history. Mm. And I think it's because those cities have been around for longer. Yeah. They have more of a um, community that has been supportive of the arts and their art requirements have been around for quite a quite a while too. So yeah. they, you know, they've had the opportunity to to really fund the public art realm. And what does it make, what, what does it take to make a city do this well? I mean, is there, what can the general public be doing um, or asking more from their elected officials? Um, what does it take at the government level? You know, who are the people that, that are really making this happen? I mean, obviously you here, right? <laughs> well, a lot of people are making it happen. Whether we like it or not, there's a lot of development happening in San Francisco. And I always say, the upside to all that development is that most of those buildings have art requirements. Mm. So we get a lot of public art from that, from those buildings. And same with all the civic construction that's going on. The, you know, all that construction is generating money for art. Mm. The other thing that's happening right now for the, in the ballots is we have Prop E in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, a percentage of 
the hotel tax used to go to the arts. And a few years ago, the supervisors got rid of that. And mm. right now on the ballots, there's in the November 6th election, you can vote yes on Prop E. And Prop E takes a small percentage of the hotel tax and reallocates it back to the arts. And that's going to bring millions of dollars to the art scene in San Francisco. And it's not a new tax. It's actually not a tax that anyone who lives here pays because you're not, unless you're staying in hotels all the time. Right, right, right. And it's just a reallocation. It's just bringing that percentage back and directing it towards the arts. So mm. as a citizen of San Francisco, if you're interested in the arts, that is a really simple way to support the arts is by voting for Prop E, voting mm. yes. So pay attention to your ballots and look at who's, who's moving and shaking in the art world, in the public art world. Hey, everybody, I'd like to pause the episode here for just one second. First and foremost, to give you guys our thanks. We're so appreciative that you guys like what we do and are listening. Uh, we really couldn't do it without you. We love making this podcast, but obviously, you have to be there for us to make it. If you're interested in helping us out a little bit more, if you want to go the extra mile, we would appreciate it so much. And there's two ways that you can help. The first, leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. It seems like a little thing. I know everybody's always asking you to do it, but it helps us so much. And more than anything else, it helps people like you find us. So if you find us interesting, other people hopefully do too. The second thing that you can do is let us know what you find interesting. Tell us what you want to hear. Please just reach out to us. Say anything to us. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at State of the Art. All right. Thanks so much. And back to the podcast. So, you know, we are talking about San Francisco. We both live here. Um, and one of the things that is sort of undeniable um, about sort of the ecosystem here is these big tech businesses have moved in and it's caused a lot of controversy. You mentioned earlier that San Francisco is a town that's historically known for its sort of arts and culture and, you know, for being just kind of a quirky, weird town. And um, and there's people that are concerned that, uh that the technology sort of infusion has damaged that. I'm curious from your perspective um, as someone who actually works in local government in the arts, um, what is kind of the give and take there? What are we, what are we dealing with? What are you seeing here? The issue in San Francisco to me is not about tech companies. It's that we have limited space. So whatever company, you know, or, uh, sector comes into San Francisco is going to just, you know, that's a profitable sector is going to displace, you know, it's going to make it a more expensive place to live. And that's been a situation in San Francisco since the beginning. It's gone up and down as far as whether it's been a livable city for people who, you know, are, are in the arts. And one of the things that we really work on at the Arts Commission and that I'm very committed to is to make sure that we provide opportunities and some of the things that I talked about, about making sure that arts nonprofits own their buildings, that we have a housing for artists, that we have a uh, gallery space for artists, and to constantly make sure that that's a priority. The tech companies are just the latest wave of companies, uh, sector that came into the city and that started pushing um, those who couldn't pay the rent out. Sure. Uh, so, and that's just that's life. And that's life in a lot of cities. And it happens. I mean, even I'm from New York. In New York, everyone moved to Brooklyn. And then all of a sudden, Brooklyn got expensive. And now all the artists are moving back to New York. It's less expensive in New York City 
to uh, be an artist and have an, a studio in mid-market than it is in Brooklyn. Yeah. So I think it's just constantly being vigilant and also making sure that it, it is a priority for the city. And it's also, you know, can people complain about how the artists are leaving and this and that? And, I, and they say, what can I do? What can I do? And I say, go buy art. Go buy <laughs> local. I mean, seriously, yeah. go to a local gallery and buy work by a local artist. And yeah. you are, you are, you know, feeding the food chain. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting problem. I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm from that tech community and, you know, to a certain extent, I feel guilty about being part of the problem, but at the same time, um, I, I certainly believe you're right that look, these are, these are economic forces that are going to happen, whether you like it or not. Um, and you have to find ways to either, you know, become a part of that creative community or, um, <clears throat> find ways to work with, within the, the construct of the system that's, uh, that's the gears are moving. I mean, money yeah, moves, right? <laughs> and also, I mean, I've been noticing that, you know, certain companies are now having artist residencies, mm. you know, and for me, what's interesting in that is not having the artist come paint a mural in your lobby, yeah. right? But actually... If you have extra space in your building, let them have a studio in there and let them do whatever it is that they want to do. So they're not like a kind of a monkey in the cage, you know, painting the mural for you in your lobby, yeah. but that you're, you're giving them the space and the freedom to actually do what they do. Yeah. Uh, and whether that manifests as a, as a, as a mural in your lobby or as it manifests as something else, but there are different ways that, that you can support artists um, and you can support the creative economy and, you know, go we have great theater here we have you know go experience these things yeah. you know if you're if you're in the tech world you know go check out all the great cultural things that we have in this city hmm. I, i'm curious you're you're someone who obviously kind of has the profile of someone who can um sort of move in whatever direction she wants um and and it seems like you have <laughs> over the course of your history what is it that kind of keeps you coming back to the creative space and into the art world I love hanging out with artists. I mean, I love their minds, the way they think outside the box. And I think artists should be involved in lots of different types of decision making and should be at the table. And it was really interesting in the 70s, a lot of companies like Xerox, et cetera, had artist residencies where artists actually were participating in the creation of some of their products and technology. Hmm. And they really influenced the way those products and technologies were developed because they were thinking so far out of the box, right? So that's another thing when I think about these tech companies, you know, NASA has an artist in residence and his job, it's currently a him, um, is to help articulate to the public what's happening there. And so he's at the table all hmm. the time. And how interesting that would, would that be if, these different companies had artists at that level. So not just doing the mural in the lobby, but actually helping you think about, you know, whatever it is, the app, or how do we communicate what we're doing to the, the, the public, or we're trying to develop something conceptually, how would you do it, artist, mm. right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. to really integrate them into the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've had the good fortune on this program of interviewing a couple um a, a couple of different sort of innovation labs and it is always an interesting um it, it's always really interesting to watch um really creative people get together with um sort of the hard engineers and scientists and technologists um because what we've seen over and over again is that 
those groups of people tend to have more in common than they do apart. Um, you know, the specific domains may be a little bit different, but they're both idealists. They both have sort of ideas in their head that they just have to manifest, you know, that sort of obsessive tendency to get what's in your head out into the world is a real thing. Um, and so I, yeah, I'm always fascinated to see when there's that cross pollination, sort of the, um, the real, the real dream work that can happen. So another thing I wanted to ask you that that I actually kind of stepped over earlier was when we're talking about these multi-million dollar sort of um, public art pieces or, you know, like you were talking about in the airport, it's a, it's a budget for multiple works. Um, how are you finding artists and how might artists uh, try to get involved in something like that? Well, it's San Francisco, so everything is very transparent. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. <laughs> we have what's kind of called, you know, the Sunshine Ordinance. All meetings of the Arts Commission and any public meeting needs to be noticed. Uh, you know, they're open to the public. So, mm. you you know, anyone can come and listen and speak. But our process is we uh, develop a, a budget and an outline for a specific project, and we develop a request for qualifications. That goes out uh, in a variety of different ways, but so that, you know, it, different websites, art websites, whatever. And uh, it's on our, in our newsletter, it's on our website. And then artists respond. And then we call the list down to a group. Then we have a, a panel of experts and sometimes the client, each department, like the airport is considered our client at the Arts Commission. Mm. We have a couple of curators. We have if it's in the community, we have local folks who are on the panel. And then we narrow it down to usually around three artists that we then pay an honorarium to develop a site-specific proposal. Then we the panel reconvenes, and they pick that one out of those finalists. Hmm. That entire process is totally public. Yeah. Cool. So artists, if you're listening, because I know we have artists listeners Make sure to get involved. Get and uh, check out the, the the commission for. Is there a central website right. people yes, should know about? Yes, it's, it's uh, sfac.org, and you can sign up for the newsletter. And the newsletter goes out regularly with all the information of the new RFQs and RFPs. We'll make sure to put that link in the show notes as well, so that people can find that. What what projects are going on right now that people in San Francisco should know about and kind of be getting excited about? Well, on the private side for me, my most exciting project is I'm the art consultant for the Warriors New Arena. Oh, nice. And I think it's shooting up, by the way. <laughs> it's we, it, <laughs> we actually they had their topping off ceremony a few weeks ago. Wow. So it's been incredible how fast it's moving. And it's a big project. It's not just the arena. It's 12 acres. It's two office buildings. It's a plaza. It's a, it's a big project. And uh, we commissioned Oliver Eliason to do a large scale public artwork for the um for the new arena it's going to be outside and he is an artist who's internationally renowned very very cool very concerned about the environment works sort of on the science um environmental levels mm. and his piece is really going to be very cool and he's just been a total joy to work with and the warriors are have been awesome to work with and are really excited about the project so that for me is is the most exciting project that I'm working on right now. You know, we just finished Salesforce Tower, which also uh, was yeah. a lot of, was a very complex, um, but I think it's gotten <laughs> a good response. And I'm really excited about the work that we're doing out at uh, the Southwest Terminal. We have some really, really, uh, Liz Glenn, who's a fantastic artist from New York, is doing a totally trippy piece that's going to be hanging over um, 
the uh, security area. Cool. And then we are developing Treasure Island. The city is developing Treasure Island. I don't mm. know if you're aware of that. Uh, we're building 5,700 units. Uh, it's a public-private wow. partnership. And we have about $35 million for public art out there. So we're just starting to develop, and we've commissioned the first kind of big pieces for out there. But there'll be a big sculpture park. So that's going to be a major draw when that's done. People are going to go out to Treasure Island and ride their bikes around and go look at public art. And uh, we're keeping about two-thirds of the island open space. Oh, wow. So the development is kind of on the bottom on the side that's facing uh, San Francisco. So the rest of the island is going to be open and there's going to be public art all over the place. And yeah. it's going to be a really cool place to go to and a, a big draw for the city, a big tourist draw too. Yeah, it's beautiful out there too. I mean, it's it's underdeveloped right now, but I know that's why um, why the city is focused on on uh, bringing eyeballs out there and bringing people <laughs> out there. It's a, and it's great space for, you know, I mean, it's such a, obviously San Francisco is in such hot, hot demand. Yeah, I'm a little surprised this didn't happen earlier, but... Um, well, it's been a long time coming. It's right. not an easy site to develop there yeah. was some remediation issues and you know just uh putting the deal together lennar and meanie are the two developers that are working with the city hmm. um so it's you know it's been a complex project it's been in the works for at least 15 years yeah yeah it's ex-military right i don't know when when the military moved out of there but yeah cool Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dorka. This has been exciting. It's, thank you so much for having me to your home, too. This is beautiful here. Um, but before we go, uh, we always do a couple rapid fire questions to kind of finish out the interview. So the idea here is just to fire off answers as quickly as you can. There's no right or wrong answers. This is just getting to know you a little bit. Uh Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's always nervous. Most people do. All right. So you should do fine. All right. So you ready? All right. So you're, you, the first one is what does your perfect day look like? Day or date? Day. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Although now I'm curious. We could answer both of those. <laughs> my perfect day is having the time to make my own art. Wow. Nice. That makes sense, especially for someone who is as busy as you are. What is the first thing you would buy if you hit the lottery tomorrow? An island. <laughs> <laughs> Filled with public art? Is that what the island is for? Or is it just I for don't you know. I have to... an island where I could go... Hang out with friends of mine and, and make work. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. What is something that instantly makes you lose respect for someone? When they're closed-minded about art. Mm, very nice. That makes sense for someone on the Arts Commission. All right. What is this, is this is one of my favorite ones. When you have a bad day or you're just pissed off at the world and everything's going wrong for a day, what is the one song that you go to? I don't know if I go to one song. I just turn the music <laughs> on and go for a long walk in the in nature. And actually, to be honest with you, when that's when I have a day like that, I really go out in nature and don't have music. Ah, even better, the bird song. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Dorka. Um, if people want to stay plugged in, um, I know you mentioned it earlier, but can you say the website again? Sure. The Arts Commission website is sfac.org. And then my website is keenonart.com. And then for those people who are interested in some uh, nonprofit project that I started called Sites Unseen, where we're uh, programming public art in alleys around Yerba Buena neighborhood downtown, you can go to sitesunseen.org. Yeah, another awesome program that we didn't have the time for. But thank you so much, Dorka. It has been a real pleasure and uh, good luck with everything. And thanks for keeping San Francisco beautiful. It's amazing work. Thanks for talking with me. Cheers. As always, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. 
Dorka is super interesting, obviously very passionate about what she does. And it's so cool to see someone who has so many different skills, such a diverse background, uh, use her powers for good, spend it for the good of creativity in the arts. So thank you so much to Dorka. And as always, if you like this episode, if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art, please go leave a five-star review at iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That is one of the most helpful things you can do for us to grow um, and spread this to your friends and anybody else who you think might be interested. So thank you so much. This has been another episode of State of the Art with me, Andrew Herman. Thank you.